Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men and women, I believe, but devout men out of every nation under heaven. I'm going to talk about these people today and minister on the theme, the dispersed church. So please be seated and let's get into the word of God. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church, there are thousands of Jews that had come from all over the world for the feast of Pentecost. Perhaps they came for Passover 50 days prior and stayed over. It was difficult to travel a long way. So perhaps they stayed. We don't really know. The Bible plainly says that these were Jewish people. They were devout. But they were living outside of Palestine, outside of Israel. They loved God enough to put their lives on Paul's back home and journey to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. There were three mandated feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Every Jewish male was to appear before the Lord. So we know these were devout men. They made a sacrifice to come all the way back to Jerusalem from wherever home was. These men and women were known as Jews of the dispersion or the diaspora. I like the word diaspora. These dispersed Jews had come back for Pentecost. Now historically, the word dispersion refers to a a group of Jews, a category of Jews who had been exiled from their homeland and many of them were scattered among the Gentile nations because of political and military conquests. This had happened over a period of time, but especially the Assyrians and Babylonians had taken the Jews out of their country. The Bible speaks about this in 2 Kings and other places in that area of the Scripture Chronicles when over a series of deportations, the Jews were removed, the ten tribes of Israel, then Judah at the end. Zechariah the prophet summarized this when he said in chapter 10 verse 9, and I will sow them among the people, and they shall remember me in far countries, and they shall live with their children and turn again. Hosea, Jeremiah, Ezekiel wrote about the same idea of God's people being removed from their homeland, Jerusalem and Israel, and dispersed among the Gentile nations. Now the intent of these invaders was to conquer the Jews and to scatter them and thereby weaken their faith in God. But instead, the dispersion had the opposite effect. It strengthened the faith of many Jews. While they lived in distant lands, their hearts were turned toward home. They remembered Jerusalem. Many of these dispersed Jews were sincere in their faith. They maintained their religious observances while they lived in communities surrounded by pagan people that did not know God. They were like, these dispersed Jews were like Daniel. We get an insight, a window into Daniel, one of the Jews of the dispersion living in Babylon, when every day, three times a day, 
He would open his windows toward Jerusalem and he would pray toward the holy city of the Jews. In Psalm 137, when that's the same one where they hung their harps on the willows and they said, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. In other words, this dispersion backfired. Instead of them forgetting God, they became homesick for Jerusalem and worship and would make pilgrimages later after the 70 years of the captivity to be back a part of worship in Jerusalem. Now, in addition to this forced relocation that happened under Assyrians and Babylonians and perhaps other rulers that came Many of the Jews were dispersed from the land of Palestine for the purpose of commerce. Historically, there were Jews that would be attracted to business opportunities in chief cities of the Gentile world. And they would move there for business purposes. They would start a business there, but they remained faithful to God in pagan lands. I'm not saying everybody did, but we know that there were many devout men out of every nation under heaven who came back for the Feast of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost, that birthday of the church. No matter where these Jewish families lived, if there were 10 Jewish families in a city, they could start their own synagogue, which would have been the local church of the Jews of the Old Testament. That local church would be a place where they could practice Judaism, raise their children in the fear of God, and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The dispersed group of people came up in a conversation that Jesus had during the days of his ministry with a group of Jewish leaders. Jesus was talking about his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and he said something that puzzled the Jewish leaders. He said, Yet a little while I'm with you, then I go unto him that sent me. Now, these Jewish leaders did not understand what Jesus was talking about, that he was talking about death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. So the Bible said in John 7, 35, the Jews, they said among themselves, where will he go that we can't find him? Will he go among the dispersed, among the Gentiles, and teach the Gentiles? They asked this question, where is Jesus going to go? Maybe he's going to leave the Jews in Palestine and he's going to go to the Jews outside of Palestine. And you'll actually have a ministry to the Gentiles. They were perplexed by this. And, but they knew about this dispersed group of Jewish people. Now, I was reading about this. And history is just what it is. Sometimes it's accurate not. But they say that within the Roman Empire, there was a total population of 55 million people. And the Jews might have numbered between three and seven or even eight million people. And there were about four million Jews in the empire and 500,000 of them lived in the area of Palestine. So somewhere in the neighbor of four million Jews dispersed throughout the world living outside of Palestine and only maybe half a million living there. There were also, they say, history says, Jews that lived outside of the Roman Empire Maybe in other places. But nonetheless, I want you to just see that there was Jerusalem. There was Judea. 
There was this, the provinces that were strictly Jewish. And then there was the rest of the world. If you remember the sermon I preached about Israel, this narrow neck of land that God had set aside, strategically located. But Jews were not just there. They were everywhere. And it's fascinating to me that because of the dispersed church, the Jews of the Old Testament who were dispersed all over the world, we have some amazing stories in the Bible that we would otherwise not know. We know about Daniel being thrown in the lion's den because he prayed three times a day when prayer became illegal. That happened in Babylon, and we know that you should stand up for your faith even when faith becomes illegal, but you never not bow your knee to look to the Lord. All of Daniel's prophecies were written from Babylon. We have the story of those three Hebrew boys who would not bow to the statue that Nebuchadnezzar set up in the plain. They would not bow their knee to an idol when the music of the world started. So they were thrown into the fiery furnace, heated up seven times hotter. But they would not bow. They would not bend in their college or wherever it was. And God did not let them burn when that pagan king tried to destroy them. I love that story. I learned it as a little boy. But it's a story of the dispersion. Not caving in. There's a story of Nebuchadnezzar. That Babylonian king and all of his pride. And God humbling him in an instant of time. For seven years he lived like an animal and at the end of this humbling experience, Nebuchadnezzar, the pagan king, was quoted in your Bible. He said that now I extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are truth, his ways are judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Nebuchadnezzar learned that firsthand. And we know that story because of the Jews that were dispersed into Babylon. You have the story of Esther's heroic intervention for her people and the famous words of Mordecai who said to her, Esther, who knows whether you are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God's people living dispersed throughout the world but living for God in a pagan culture. Don't you know that's where we are today? We are lights in the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We live in a pagan world, but we stand for God who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. We have psalms from the times of the dispersion in Babylon. I preached the, the very first Sunday when I went back to, to review this particular item. Uh, it was... March 22nd, 2020, the very first service we had, online only, after we had to shut down, the last service was March 15, and the Lord put a message in my heart about a song in a strange land, March 22nd, 2020. And when I reviewed that, I remembered, I didn't know the exact number, but 10 of the Psalms, 10 of the 150 Psalms are attributed to that time in Babylonian captivity. They said, how can we sing a song in a strange land? But they found their voice and they found their song. Even they were living in a pagan culture. 
So I just want to tell you today, every school student, every college student, everybody who works in an ungodly environment, you do not have to leave, lose your song. You do not have to lose your testimony. You can stand up for Jesus Christ even though you are dispersed. Amen. The books of Nehemiah and Esther in your Bible are books written because of the return to Israel. They are books of revival. How to have a revival. We know that because of the dispersed church. And in the New Testament, briefly, we have, we have the wise men. How did the wise men know? I preached about this, taught on it several weeks ago around Christmas time. Probably because of Jews of the diaspora. Dispersed Jews who, who gave them some idea about God. Why would they make that trip from the east to Jerusalem except someone witnessed to them about the God of the Jews? Then we have in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch. He came all the way from Ethiopian. He's a man of great authority. He served Candace, king of the, queen of the Ethiopians. He had the charge of all of her treasures. So he is the treasurer of the queen of the Ethiopians. But somebody there must have told him that there is a God that the Jews serve. He was able to procure some scripture. Isaiah 53. He goes to worship in Jerusalem. And on his way home, it is Philip who joins his chariot. Who tells him about Jesus. He starts where he is and preaches Christ to him. He is baptized. He is obviously filled with the Holy Ghost. And he goes back home. Filled with the Spirit. New Testament salvation. How did he know? Most likely from Jews of the dispersion. They, these Jewish dispersed people, they are, they are the ones who the book of 1 Peter and the book of James are addressed. When you read the book of 1 Peter, when you read the book of James, written to those, the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. James wrote to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. He greeted them. He wrote to them to try to make sure they maintain their faith while living in pagan cultures. You see, God has always used the dispersed church. And I use that as Israel, God's Old Testament church and the New Testament church. God has always used the dispersed church to fulfill His will. And that brings me back to the day of Pentecost. Now, most notably, these Jews of the dispersion kept the command of the Old Testament that they would come back to Jerusalem for those three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And on the day of Pentecost, among the thousands of people who were in Jerusalem, there were men who were dwelling there. It gives you the idea, and you can study this out, that they were not permanent residents of Jerusalem. Some may have moved back in the later years of their lives, but these were men and women business people, people who lived all over the world, but they came home to honor the Feast of Pentecost. Acts 2 and 5, I read it just 16 minutes ago, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Jews of the dispersion were among the 3,000 people who were added to the church on that inaugural day. They were there after the 120 or so 
Galilean Jews spoke in the languages of people from all these countries. They went back home. They were probably at least bilingual. Now they're back and they're hearing people speaking in tongues in languages that were familiar to where they were from. They heard the apostle Peter preach the message of salvation that we call Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They also heard him say, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, Peter may have had in mind the Gentiles, or he may have had in mind the diaspora, Jews all over the world that did not know Jesus, but soon would. These Jews of the dispersion obeyed the New Testament plan of salvation. They were baptized in Jesus' name, 3,000 souls in a single day. They were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And after the feasts were over, they packed up their camels their carts, they went on foot and they went back all over the world. But now these Jews of the dispersion went back not with just an Old Testament faith, but now they are New Testament believers. They know who Jesus is, that God had come in flesh. They were Holy Ghost filled beacons of light all over the world. Where did they go? Well, we know in Acts 2, some of the countries... Because we, we read about them in Acts 2 and 9. They were Parthians and Medes. They were Elamites and Mesopotamia. They were people from Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, Rome, Crete, Arabia. They were from everywhere. And God dispersed them. Then he gathered them. Then he sent them back. And in just a few days or weeks or months time, the gospel that started in Jerusalem was spread to the earth faster than it could have been done any other way in that day and time. I say thank you, Lord, that we're not just a church gathered, but you have scattered us, you've dispersed us, so your name can be proclaimed in all of the earth. Jews of the dispersion, now followers of Jesus. And witnesses of the gospel everywhere they went. Those are the official Jews of the dispersion that the Bible talks about. And they played a significant role in God's plan. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Everything pointing to the promise of God. That from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The name of the Lord would be praised. And among the Gentiles there would be a church. Amen. There is another dispersion that Acts talks about that is a little different than that. Let me back up just a little bit to get there, though. There were the expectations of the Jewish followers of Jesus that everything was about them. And you know this because in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, just before Jesus ascends into heaven, they asked Jesus a question. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? What that question meant was, are you ready now to overthrow Rome, set up your kingdom on the earth now, 
and we're going to be the ruling empire of the world? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? They miss it. This is final exam time. This is ascension into heaven time for Jesus. And they're asking the wrong question. Well, he said, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But he tells them, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and into Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It's going to be somewhat like concentric circles, but not really perfectly. But it's Jerusalem and then the province of Judea, the neighboring province of Samaria. And now once you break out of Palestine, the gospel is supposed to go to the ends of the earth. What a great plan. That it didn't happen. By the way, verse 9 says, while he's saying that, he just disappears up into heaven slowly. So this is the last of the last words he will say to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. He commissions them to go into the entire world. But when you read the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, that was not happening. The church was content to have church in the comfort, comfort zone of home. They did have a revival. They filled their city, Jerusalem, with their doctrine. They had a revival that was so big that the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Early in the book of Acts, our history of the church and many other things that Acts contains, the church was primarily Jewish and was peacefully parked in Jerusalem. <clears throat> they were having a great revival. It was great church. The temple was full of worshipers. They worshiped house to house, broke bread and ate their meat with singleness of heart, gladness. It was great, but it was all in Jerusalem. And then God had a plan that suddenly changed the cozy church in Jerusalem. There was this guy named Saul of Tarsus. And he was a devout Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he hated the church. He saw the church as a threat to the truth, to Judaism. And he set out to destroy the church. Acts chapter 7 is the long sermon of Stephen. And then him being stoned. If I was about to be killed, I would preach a very long sermon like Stephen. <clears throat> Saul is standing there. He is holding the coats of the men who stoned him. He is consenting unto the death of Stephen, the first known martyr of the church. Acts 9 said he is breathing out threatenings and slaughter. That describes how he was. He was determined to stamp out this religious sect called Christianity. In Acts 8, the Bible tells us what happened. <clears throat> Acts 8 and 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad 
throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So the main guys didn't leave Jerusalem. They didn't go whole revivals everywhere. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But the people, like we're people, like non-preacher people, they were scattered everywhere. Amen. The apostles stayed back home. It was Jerusalem that scattered them. The, the original, the work is like dispersed. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and hauling men and women and committed them to prison. Therefore, and here's the key, they that were scattered abroad, ducked, hid, pretended that they weren't Christians, went to caves, never. They that were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the word. Laymen, disciples of Jesus Christ, everywhere they went, they did not go by choice. They were forced to go. But when they left, they went like the dispersed Jews of the Old Testament. They took the Holy Ghost with them. They took the name of Jesus with them. They were not backslidden. They were good and godly people. They took their doctrine. They took the power. They took miracles. And they went everywhere and they preached the word of God. I don't want you to think these were bad people. Carnal people. They were great people. The problem was not who they were. It was not what they believed. It was where they were. They were keeping church locked down in the four walls of a building, in the walls of a city of Jerusalem. It was a Jewish church. It was a Jerusalem church. That is not a bad thing. But there is a better thing than a Jerusalem church. It is a worldwide church. It is a vision that God had for his church from the very beginning. They stayed close to home, playing it safe. But persecution changed everything. While Saul of Tarsus and his minions are going door to door, arresting Christians, throwing them in jail. They're fleeing for their lives. Some of them were put to death. Some compelled to blaspheme. And they're leaving Jerusalem and they're leaving with their faith. To their credit, they're dispersed, but they're not distressed. They're not down and out. They're not in despair. They go and they change the world. Now, this is the church dispersed. But there's a couple of really cool stories of what happened when the church was dispersed. Acts 8 tells us Philip was one of those who was driven out of Jerusalem because of persecution. He goes down to the city of Samaria and he begins to preach Christ to these Samaritans, perhaps half Jewish people. And guess what? They didn't reject it. With one accord, they gave heed to the things that Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. I want to pause right now that when you go outside the church, don't think that the miracles stay here. The miracles go to school. They go to work. They go home. They go to your neighborhood. They go to the gym. They go to wherever you go. Oh, yes, they do. 
In fact, I believe that more miracles should happen there than happen here because there's some people that need to know that God is a miracle worker. He can deliver them from addictions. He can put their families back together. He can, amen, he can deliver them from demonic forces. He is a powerful God, not just here. Well, they were hearing and seeing the miracles and unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. Now, there was no local church in Samaria that booked Philip for a revival. I don't know where he was preaching. It might have started in a synagogue. It might have started on a street corner. But there were a lot of people who were not Jewish who found the Lord through the preaching of Philip. Palsies were taken, paralyzed people and Possessed people, lame people, healed and great joy in the city. Peter and John come down and pray for them. They receive the Holy Ghost. There is a great revival in Samaria for one reason. Somebody went there. That's why. But there's another revival. It's a revival in Antioch of Syria. Acts 11, 19 tells us about this revival. The Bible said now they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen. So he refers back to the martyrdom of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And then the persecution that I read about in Acts chapter 8. Now Luke the writer of the book of Acts is going to pick up another story. We heard about Samaria. Now we're going to hear about Antioch. Well this persecution drove them out. They went to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. But at first they preached to the Jewish people only. But then there were some men from Cyprus and Cyrene. They came to Antioch and they spake unto the Grecians or unto the Gentiles preaching the Lord Jesus. Now what would happen in that pagan high school or college or that denominational church when somebody preached Christ to them? The Bible said that the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. No, the apostle Peter was not there. James and John were not there. These were people just like you and me who went to a city and preached the gospel and a great revival broke out in Antioch. The revival in Antioch was a direct result of the dispersed church. It was from Antioch that the first missionary journeys were sanctioned and missionary teams were sent. People like Barnabas and Saul. It was in Antioch where there was a team ministry, a multicultural church, and they were called Christians first at Antioch. God used suffering, persecution, dispersion as a means to expand the kingdom of God. And they went everywhere Preaching the word. He used the dispersed church to reach Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles all over the world. Can you imagine if you could put yourself in Satan's mind right now. When Babylonians and Assyrians came in and scattered these Jewish people. You know I've got them now. I've got them away from Jerusalem. I've got them away from God. Can you imagine what the devil must have been thinking. When all these Christians were driven out of Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8. 
But here's what I know about God. He always has a plan. And what the devil means for evil, God means for good. There will always be a great reverse. God will always turn around what Satan tries to destroy us with. It will advance God's cause. Amen. Every time. There is nothing that can be against God's purpose. It will always inadvertently advance God's purpose. It is the dispersed church. Amen. Till the church is gathered and it is scattered. We're gathered today in person on purpose to be discipled, to worship, to fellowship. But too often... Too much evangelism is done in church, which is not bad, but too little evangelism is done outside the church. You may know because you read your Bibles that in the book of Acts, a lot of people were saved outside a synagogue, outside the temple. In fact, if the expansion of the gospel was going to be limited to the temple, one place in Jerusalem. Synagogues scattered all over the world by dispersed Jews. This gospel would have never been preached to the ends of the earth. But because people got creative and they preached in homes, in pagan temples, they preached in street corners, in marketplaces, in the school of Tyrannus, wherever there was a receptive heart, the gospel was preached and this gospel was preached in all the world in that early day. So gathering is not bad, but gathering has its limitations. Amen. The early church was in the temple in Jerusalem and house to house. Even there, they had church and fellowship, breaking of bread, house to house. They did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. In Acts chapter 20, 20, away from Jerusalem, Paul said, I taught you publicly and also from house to house. It is not one or the other. It is this and that. It is not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. But it is not thinking that this is everything that the church is. In fact, you already know this. But the church is not really a place. The church is a people. It is ecclesia. It is the called out ones. Called out of darkness into marvelous light. That's why when the Old Testament Jews were dispersed, they took God with them. When the New Testament church was dispersed, were scattered, they took God with them. Because you are the church. Amen. Now we're, we're scattered or dispersed naturally and organically by where we live, by where we work, by where we go to school. By where we play. All over metro Atlanta. You'll see the messenger that will come out today. With an article about this. And the map on the front of that is a heat map. Of where people live generally. In the city of Atlanta. It's a pretty cool graphic that you can see. We're dispersed. Not equally. Because people live in this area. But all over this city. All over the metro area. We're dispersed. We're that way naturally. We work in different places. And you go to school etc etc. But sometimes we say, let's do this on purpose. Let's start small groups. And let's plan on creating common ground where people in our church can fellowship. Because too many people are alienated relationally in physical relationships, human relationships, face-to-face. Maybe I should say it like that. 
And it's all about digital relationships. But nothing will ever replace getting together, sitting down together, breaking bread together, fellowshipping together. Amen. So today we launch another semester of small groups. You've already heard about it. I'm not here to advertise it. I'm here to advocate for it. That it's important for us to be connected to other believers so we can connect unbelievers to Jesus Christ. We are intentionally dispersing the church. I see some small group shirts on all around. If you're wearing one, would you stand up right now? You've got a small group team with 31 small groups. Something for everyone. You can eat, play a game, study the Bible. You can have fun and fellowship with people of God and then bring your friends who need to meet some of the most amazing people in the world on the common ground of a small group. So I will say a commercial now that when we dismiss, go to the Family Life Center, the building behind this building, and just look around, walk around, look at the tables, look at the cool creative tables and ideas of ways for you to get involved with other people that will encourage and strengthen you. So well, I feel all alone. Well, hello, small groups are for you, and we're not going to kick you out. We're going to make you welcome. That's the diver- dispersed church. I started to say the diverse church. We're that too by the way. Jesus told his disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, five examples of the Great Commission. But in Mark, Jesus said to his disciples, go ye, you go, right? You go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, every person that God has created. Don't leave anybody out. Don't just go to people you think are religious or good candidates for salvation. Go to every person that God gives you an open door to. Don't exclude anyone. You never know who God is going to save because of your witness. When you go to school, go as the church. When you go to work, go as the church. When you go to college, go to college as the church. When you go into your neighborhood, you're the best thing your neighborhood has ever witnessed. You are the church of Jesus Christ in your neighborhood and go there as the church and represent Jesus and your church. Last Sunday morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, Debbie Burgess Sherwood suffered a heart attack and passed away. This past Wednesday, I preached her funeral And the night of our business meeting and a lot of our church people that knew Debbie and her family were there. And I'd asked for stories from the family. But I knew that Brother LaVon and Sister Donna Johnson were friends and neighbors of them. And that that Donna had led Debbie to the Lord. So I asked Sister Donna to tell me the story of that. And she did. And I, I talked about it at the funeral. And I mentioned it at the business meeting on Wednesday night. But this is exactly what I'm talking about. Not a small group, not something that the church organizes, but just people who live all over our city who are there as the church. It goes like this. Donna said that Debbie and I met in the 80s, when late 80s, when they moved across the street from us. So here's a new neighbor. Hello, new neighbor. 
there's a clue. You have an opportunity to meet them. Donna said our kids were all close to the same ages and went to school together, played together. And as of course, you know, they got to know each other well. And Blanche, one of their daughters, told me after church this morning that, that, that Sister Donna actually taught Sunday school for a while to the Burgess kids and their kids. And, you know, Donna said that she was pretty quiet at first, but they started walking together. Everybody please say common ground. Why don't we just walk? That sounds pretty non-spiritual, doesn't it? We're just going to walk. We're going to do this because it's a healthy thing to do. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you're walking with someone, you're going to talk about Jesus because faith is the most important aspect of our life. In fact, He is our life. So they did. They were walking and talking, and the conversation turned to the Lord. Like Philip in the Ethiopian, you can start where people are. doesn't matter where they are and you can preach Christ to them. She said, Debbie had an experience with God. She was curious about what Sister Donna believed. She was hungry for everything the Lord had for her. She said, I remember when I started talking about, I guess, the Holy Ghost and baptism, that Debbie started to cry. Said she wanted to know more about that. So then Sister Donna started a weekly Bible study in Debbie's home. And then Debbie started coming to church here. And before long, she was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And she was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Donna said Debbie was like a sponge. She was so hungry for everything the Lord had for her. But the point of this story is pretty fresh. But Debbie found the Lord because the Johnson family chose to be the dispersed church. Sometimes I feel like we relegate soul winning, witnessing to people, bring them into the kingdom of God. To really deep people, spiritual people, preachers, professional soul winners. But I'll tell you, you know more on accident and a lot of people know on purpose. You don't have to know every answer to prophecy. You don't have to be able to explain the Bible kiver to kiver from one end to the other. Good, you should learn. You should grow. Hebrews 6 tells you to grow. But anyone can tell a person, well, before I found the Lord, this was what my life was like. And this is how I found the Lord. Turn from my sins and repentance was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You can explain why that's important. You're buried with Him in baptism. And then I, I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. If you want to be more polite, right? The Holy Spirit changed my life. Stuff I couldn't quit doing, God gave me power to give up. Things I couldn't put together, God helped me put it together. Tell about how your life is now that you found the Lord. It's not perfect. Wow, look at what God has done for you. Look what God has done for me. All you've got to do is just go to Samaria, Philip. When you get there, there's going to be some really hungry people. And if you'll preach Christ to them, they'll receive it with joy. Philip, all you've got to do is listen to my voice. Leave that revival in Samaria. Go down to the south. Go down to an area of this desert. There's one guy there. 
He went to Jerusalem and to worship and nobody got to him. He's on his way home. This may be the last chance he'll ever have. But if you'll tell him about Jesus, Philip, that high-ranking Ethiopian official, he'll be saved. You never know what God will do through you when you are intentionally the dispersed church.